Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to The China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining us for today's midweek update is our favorite economist, Eric, from over at ES Invests. Literally hate your soul. Hate you. <laughs> Uh, before we start diving into Eric's newest credentials, uh, I'd like to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and with Manscaped getting into the world of beard care, now's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2Bulls at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. And when it comes to institutional quality trading education, look no further than tradeproacademy.com. In our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you lovely degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check out the custom tools and studies over at Orderflow Labs. And of course, everybody needs to give Eric a follow on at ESinvests on Twitter or YouTube. Um, also got the website at ESinvest.com. Uh, did the OnlyFans get taken down or is that still up? Well, it's still up. I would like to say it's alive and well, but it's just kind of like <laughs> it's, it's alive, like a you know old person clinging to life. It's not really. Yeah, it's it's not like at the, a, the level I needed to be at. It's like roadkill begging for a bullet. Yeah, that's. I think it's a good way to think about it. It's really just not not doing what I needed to do, which is to completely retire me immediately. Have you tried putting your feet on there yet? Uh, no, I actually have a, I was actually just reading something actually about feet kinks. Cause I just do not understand them. No, they are disgusting. It's very strange to me to like really find a foot attractive. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like it's not attractive or attra like, I just feel ambivalent or it's a fucking foot. I'll have to send you a video of people who are aroused by blowing up balloons it is the weirdest thing i've ever seen Stop it. that doesn't exist no it's real <laughs> no that, that is what that is what we call fake news no okay they're gonna have to label us as fake news because you're telling me fake news 
Uh, I'll post the link in here too. <laughs> Watch at your own risk. Like impossible to comprehend that. <laughs> Lastly, be sure to reach out with suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. You can do that via our email at tubals at financialineptitude.com, or you can join that free Discord server where a bunch of amazing people gather, share our struggles and lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. No feet. We'll be sure to put all those links in the episode description. But now that we got all that out of the way, and now that we got all the kink talk out of the way, and uh, well, we haven't done the economist talk yet, so maybe we should uh, do that first. Eric, what's the latest economic developments that uh, you got to report on? No idea, because I don't follow the economy. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened with PMI today? Who knows? What is a PMI? Never heard of it. I don't know. PMI. What was the other one? ISM. What's an ISM? A good Sounds question. like a ballistic missile. <laughs> PMI is the manufacturing index, right? Who knows, really? <laughs> oh, it's going to be like pulling teeth all episode, isn't it? Oh, you already went there. <laughs> I am now like a scorned woman. Right, right. All right. So what happened with uh, PMI? So PMI is, un yeah, okay, well, you just baited me effectively there with the change of tone, so now yep, I understand yep, that yep. we're moving on from the joke, but yeah, fine. So PMI, it's it's an important index specifically for manufacturing data, yep. and there's a couple things that are important to us. A lot of these things, PMI and stuff like that's typically important to us, but it becomes even more important to us in kind of these higher inflationary environments. That's why... It's a little more, um, I don't know, like noteworthy than it might be otherwise. It mm -hmm. is a good pulse on the markets and it helps us identify if we're starting to come into any sort of resource constraints or surpluses. So um, in this case, there's two different entities that reported it. I linked to both of them in here. Okay. Just so that you can throw it in the show notes. But we have one for um, the S&P and then we have one for... ISM, which is the Institute for Supply Management. And you can kind of pull up the reports, run through them. But long story short, the high level overview of each is that they came in uh, a little softer than expected. So for S&P, it was projected to be 47.8, came in at 47.3.3 to be uh, specific. And then uh, manu uh, ISM, Manufacturing PMI, came in 47.7 versus 48 expected. So you can go through those reports and kind of get some ideas, but it is obviously a little bit contracted than what we were expecting. And there are a lot of things you can kind of glean for that. And I think going through the uh, going through the reports really is the name of the game, because what you'll find, especially in the S&P commodity report, it's called the S&P Global PMI commodity price mm. and supply indicators. The headline is global price and supply pressures remain subdued in February. So hmm. that overall is, again, it's one of those things that sounds like good news, but it might not be good news in the current market environments when we're really trying to get inflation under control to some degree you expect um, just supply to expand at least marginally. And yeah, so it's good to read through it and kind of see what, what they're talking about. Just a quick excerpt from it. Um, Usma Body at S&P Global Market Intelligence said, manufacturing supply chains showed sustained evidence of normalizing during February, albeit on a backdrop of depressed output and demand. Latest data pointed to 
the least acute commodity shortage uh, shortages for 29 months. Overall, all but four of the monitored commodities signaled fewer or the same number of shortfall reports as in January, including semiconductors and electrical items. The latter saw the lowest report shortages since January 2021. So well, that's good news then. Uh, sort of. It, if the supply chain is finally getting, work, you know, the kinks worked out of it or catching back yeah, up to where it should be. That part's good, but again, when we're trying to control inflation, that can actually right. be seen as, yeah, a problem. Right. Uh, how much does PMI like actually lag like the current economic conditions? Is that something you've ever looked into? Because I remember seeing uh, like good PMI readings even while the market was in freefall. Yeah, I think I don't want to misspeak and tell people the wrong answer. I don't know the answer. Um, mm -hmm. I'm my guess is probably three to six months, and. But it depends on if we're comparing it to the the forward projections of the markets. Um, so yeah, I but I wouldn't want to mislead people. I don't know the answer. Okay, that's something we can uh, we can look up on our own time. Um, all right, so a weaker number, but that maybe had some good stuff in it, but maybe not. Is that basically the gist of what we just said? <laughs> it could be good, could be bad. I guess it just depends on what everyone's mood is tomorrow. Yeah, it's one of those things that sounds good, but it's not exactly what the market, and by the market, I mean the Fed, is going to want to hear right now. Right. That's always the risk. Um, let's see. The next thing that I had on my list, and this is the main one that I wanted to talk about, was the Salesforce earnings. And I actually had another article that was popping up before the earnings came out. I'll share this with you. I forgot to post it earlier. Uh, basically just talking about how Salesforce has been at the heart of a bunch of activist investors, like trying to pile into them. I think there's as many as five of them that have been getting in there, like Elliott Management, Three Arrows was another one they'd mentioned. Uh, Starboard founder, Jeff Smith, I think was another one. Value Act Capital is another inclusive capital. So there's a lot of activists that were jumping in here. And then they're also making comments about the fact that the the CEO has basically groomed two potential replacements who have both left in less than two years after taking the position because he refused to basically hand over the the company. Mm. And then you couple that with uh, the um, cuts that they've had to make. There's a lot of people questioning whether or not he's still the guy to lead. But if you look at the earnings they just reported today, it certainly looks like he's still doing a pretty good job. Yeah, they've been fighting a lot of uphill battles, especially in the broader economic picture, realistically, just the broader market yeah. picture. Mm -hmm. I still think that they have a inherently viable product and business model. So yeah, to me, it seems kind of like a unfortunate, unfortunate midterm movement for them. But to me, it doesn't seem super predictive of their expected forward, you know, growth trajectory from here. I still think even with the, the earnings release that we had now, it still wouldn't make me like super bullish in them. Oh, really? No, no. I it's because, you know, the the comparisons that we have are decent, but the th especially as traders, the the name of the game at least in my opinion isn't attempting to to top tick or bottom tick things. Right, right. So, I feel like it's still too early to like fully synthesize the way that this is going to to break out for them. And it's, again, it's only one quarter, um, of, yeah. of earnings. So I, I feel like you got to like start to respect and understand what the broader trend is going to look like. And then sure, maybe you can start making some decisions off of that, but 
for me, at least the way that I look at this stuff, it's too early. I'm trying to look at when the last time they had a disappointing earnings report that did not meet expectations. It looks like it's all the way back in 2016. When you say expectations, you mean the estimates or yeah. and what they talked about? Yeah, yeah. Whether they beat estimates or not. Because that's another important differentiation is you can have things that still hit estimates and still underperform. Right. Yeah. So it's just an important, yeah, it's an important differentiation to make for, the, for, for that exact reason. Because the, the forward guidance is obviously a big part of those conversations and very formative in terms of how we feel about it. When was the last time they had decreasing revenue? Has that ever happened? God damn. It's just a damn good company. Sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole looking at past earnings reports. Our results. I'm, I'm actually pulling up the same. Uh, there was a couple of other things they announced along with these good results, and one of them being they up their share buyback to $20 billion. So uh, I think they repurchased $4 billion worth of shares uh, in this latest fiscal year. Uh, so the fact they're increasing that, I think, is also helping drive some of the, the action we're seeing today. Yeah, I'm trying to... I'm mostly just trying to look at the performance of peers and mm -hmm. you already were talking about some of them, but like uh, Adobe, SAP, Intuit, and man, the overall sector's getting kind of pummeled in it. Right? Like I was looking at Adobe got murdered, but I think that was because the merger deal got challenged. Intuit, Intuit's doing okay long-term, but they're still down obviously from their high of fucking 716 to 401. But, it's the tax filing company, isn't it? Uh, sort of. That's what they're one of the big things they're known for. But they're they're known yeah. for other stuff. They usually get a pretty big boost around this time of year, though, don't they? I would imagine. <laughs> I remember seeing uh, what was the other one? H and R Block. I remember watching them uh, the last couple of years around tax time. Hmm. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back. Fresh off a rebrand and ready to help is Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. So I guess the, we talked last time, remember when Meta uh, shot up and we, uh, we, we planned out like how you could take advantage of that post earnings. I was curious, I was thinking about it because I have still have a hundred shares of Salesforce that I've held since probably 2008, 2009. Uh, I sold off a, a chunk of them back when it hit 300. Uh, but I was just wondering if it'd be worth uh, exploring the idea of a covered call on these guys tomorrow morning. Yeah, I, with that size of a move, you got to think that the implied volatility is going to be uh, elevated, to say the least. If you get in early, implied volatility will be elevated. If you don't get in early, it might not be. And it's just because mm. since the news is already announced, it's going to start right. contracting. And I actually misheard you when we were talking about this before we started. 
because I thought you were talking about initiating a covered call, which is not what I would do here. Right. As in, you know, getting the equity. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's way different. Yeah, exactly. Getting the equity and the, the short call. But in your scenario, I actually think a covered call, it makes a ton of sense. If you're comfortable offloading the shares, I always think that's one of the most important Mm -hmm. parts to remember with covered calls is if you do choose to trade them, nothing wrong with it, but you have to be prepared to separate from the shares if that scenario does happen. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think for, for your situation, it would make a ton of sense to to trade a covered call, especially because as I look at this from a longer term timeframe, at least over the next like three months, I would expect it to trend down uh, from where it is right now. Oh, really? Why, why was, why is that? Um, mostly just a longer term directional hypothesis. So as, as I zoom out further and further, like on a one year daily, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the 200 day moving average has recently just started to flatten out and yeah. the shorter term moving averages are just starting to get organized how they sh- should be. But I mean, it's still fallen from 222 down to 126, um, over the last year. So I, I just, right. my longer term market sentiment would be bearish until there are enough earnings reports that really, you know, change that change the the paradigm around the stock. Cause the problem is to your point, there's been a lot of earnings where it's B. I mean, last earnings, it was estimated at, you know, what, uh, 58 or 59 cents. And it came in at $1 40 and it still fell off a fucking cliff. Right. And it just tells you a lot about right. the forecasts of the business. So I would, I think then they weren't even doing forecasts was the problem. Well, they, they, yeah, there, there's guidance, but yeah, to your point, it's not anything people really believed in. Right. Well, there's a lot of companies that weren't, yeah, that refused to even issue guidance. I think they were kind of hurt by that earlier in 22, at least. Right. Yeah. So it looks like um, if you, yeah, if you can get into to some short calls early on, you could do even the short-term expiration, something like the 3 March. If you could get into those early after the open, like those can pay pretty well. Is that another scenario where you look for something further out the money? Um, it depends on or your would you disposition try to, to grab it. It depends on your disposition towards the shares. Like if you are more, I love them. <laughs> in, They're one of my favorite positions. What's your basis in them? Uh, probably like seventeen dollars. And how many shares do you have? Uh, I've got a hundred left. Yeah. See, if you like really love them, then I, I mean, I probably wouldn't. And yeah, because from Here's the deal from like a, a practical trading perspective, it's the right move in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But if there's a, an attachment to the product and you don't want to unwind from the product, then yeah, I wouldn't do it. The other thing you could consider doing is you could sell the call. And then as soon as the short call is breached, the short strike, you could just buy shares mm-hmm. the same day at that price. It, Oh, and then as long as you have the accounting set up to be LIFO on your account, at least for that position, which you could do through your broker, you could essentially be assigned, but you could just use the shares that you bought day of. You wouldn't make any money on the equity, but you would still make the money on the short call. And then you would keep your Mm -hmm. longer duration shares. That's an interesting idea. The other thing I was thinking about is maybe just capping it with a higher leg too, in case it does go. Uh, uh, in case it does continue drifting up. Yeah, at that point, it's not a covered call. It's a you know short short call spread. Then it's just a straddle or a uh, yeah. Sorry, 
Yeah, vertical spread. Yeah. All right. Well, that's something I could think about. Yeah. Uh, the other idea that we we're kind of tossing around, you brought up Adobe already, was the. And actually, I think you've kind of already answered the question by talking about the sector and looking at some of their peers, because it doesn't look like anybody else in the sector is doing well. Exactly. Question is, does does Salesforce's earnings, do we look at that as like maybe, hey, this is going to be the start of a new thing. These other companies maybe have the potential to do something similar or to at least be better than people are expecting. Someone like Adobe or Intuit that you mentioned or SAP. I do think there will likely be a baked in expectation and priced in tomorrow in most of the surrounding peers, but mm -hmm. you know, they all still have earnings coming up on their own. So yeah, yeah. it's kind of a, a tenuous initial move. You could likely trade a short term sympathy move, but they're all kind of fighting their own battles. Well, does the, what about the implied volatility of the options? post uh, earnings, did those start to bake in higher implied volatility because other people think the same thing? Oh, Salesforce just shot up. Maybe Adobe's going to do it too now. Yeah. You know, more people are eyeing those and wanting to buy them. Yeah. I think, I think there's an argument to be made. Um, and there are a lot of relationships like that. The only thing is I would, if you're trading a sympathetic move, that's a very specific trade hypothesis with very specific trades that go with it. If the trade hypothesis is Salesforce did well, I now think Adobe is going to do well and I want to trade Adobe bullish long term because of Salesforce's performance. You can kind of see how that. Yeah, that's probably not much of a. Exactly. It sounds a little yeah, goofy. Yeah which is really what's what's happening there. So I, I I would just decouple those two approaches. Yep. What point do you have to see the whole sector doing well before you can start to think um, like that? If you can essentially pull up any sort of broader view of the sector. So like if I go into S&P 500 and then I start figuring out where is, there's Adobe under software. And then they're under their sub is application software. So what I'm doing right now for everybody's uh, understanding, I'm essentially finding the very specific sub sub sector that Adobe lives with its peers, uh, like Salesforce, Intuit, um, Autodesk, also mm -hmm. with Synopsys. And anyways, I'm getting an idea to, to answer the question. So to answer it, I went to the S&P 500, IT sector, software sector, then I'm now under application software and I can get an idea of its peers. So what I would want to see is the largest components of this sub 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 sector are Salesforce, Adobe, Intuit, Synopsys, and that's pretty much it. There's a handful of other ones, but they're less than uh, the first three combined. So I would want to see at least three of those moving in, in line with one another. Or the other thing you could do is just mm -hmm. look at the software or application software sector and chart out the performance of the sector itself. And that essentially can start to inform you on how the overall sector is doing. And that's when you know I, I start to rely on the performance of the broader sector for the trade hypothesis. That makes sense. And uh, very well spelled out. I uh, appreciate the, the thoughts on that. Lots of thoughts. Um, oh, what else we got? I mean, that, that taps me. I'm, I'm out of stuff. 
You got any uh, news or um, upcoming appearances that uh, people should be paying attention to? Um, I actually just did a, a podcast or a podcast, an interview with uh, Cam. Um, he has a YouTube channel. I think it's called The Trading Nut. Oh, okay. Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 So that I think that won't be out for like four or five weeks. That was actually a really fun conversation, though, because I don't really discuss my technical analysis protocols too, too much because they are part of a broader plan. And I think a lot of people start to overweight technical analysis compared to other things. And for me, I just kind of look at it as all viable inputs and weight them based on my trading expression. Mm -hmm. But it was kind of fun to chat with him and like get really more into detail on the technical side of things. So I'm actually kind of stoked for that one to come out because it dives a little further into detail on something that I don't go into detail probably nearly as much as people would like or as much just in my general video. So I think that would be kind of fun. Yeah, that should be exciting. And yeah, the other thing to to talk about real quick though, um, coming up the rest of the, the week, there's still a handful of interesting releases. So tomorrow we have jobless claims coming up. And that's every uh, every week on Thursday. But nonetheless, that's an important figure, especially as we're monitoring inflation. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of Fed speakers. And then on the third, we now have services PMI from both S&P and ISM. So you kind of have a chance to you know see the manufacturing side. You'll get to see the services side. And then there's a, a handful of Fed speakers, Logan, Bostic, uh, Bowman, there's Barkin. So many of them. <laughs> so if you want to... Yeah, if you want to hear some more talking heads, there's no shortage. But I continue to encourage people that the, you know, the the Fed people, they are doing what they can in the background, but I mean they're they're not driving the ship really. They're just kind of reacting to where the ship's going. Did I see that there is a Kardashian one that spoke today? Mm, not Kardashian Kardashian. There's Kashkari or mean, <laughs> Yeah, you mean Kakari. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. Yeah. So, well, funny thing is that there's a Kakari today, and I think tomorrow it's what? Is it also Kakari or is it Kashkari? Oh, man. I mean, you're going to make me look it up. Uh, the only one I see, yeah, Kashkari and Waller are the two I see tomorrow. Uh, Logan yeah, and Bowman so, on Friday. So there's Cash, Kashkari, Cash Money. Yeah, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Right? <laughs> yep. uh -huh. You know he trades. <laughs> yeah, well, how could he not? Oh, no. He's a Fed member. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's probably going to bring us to the end of today's episode. I'd like to say thank you to everybody who stuck around to the end and thank you to Eric for taking the time to sit down with me and give me all the economic lessons that we've been privy to. You'd like to learn yeah, more about me. how <laughs> you'd like to learn more about how Eric uses all this information and see some of his stuff. You can find him at esinvest.com at his website, or you can find him on his YouTube channel, the same name, or on Twitter. Uh, you can check us out at twobullsinachinashop.com. Be back in your ears soon with another exciting episode. But until then, stab that five-star rating like OJ. If he did it.
Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades. I really like that joke. You say it. I'll I'll let you uh, deliver the punchline. I'll cut it. If he did it. There you go. Yeah. You know, I can cut those pauses out, right? <laughs> no, I was waiting for the right moment so I could get the inflection. I was like getting into my... Oh, yeah, you want me to redo the lines? I was trying to do a good job for you. I appreciate it. No, I, pre- I thought you were just really fucking with me up. again. Now, the other thing is I'm, I, I even went so far as when I raised my my standing desk before to mute the mic so that it didn't come through, which now I hope it does. 